Mic check, mic check, one, two, one, two. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locker Room Podcast. I'm your host, Wyatt Lister, and today we have a very, very special guest, Thomas Bullock. Thomas, how are you? Doing good. How you been? Thanks for having me on. Of course. So our first time talking in, God, over a year, maybe two years. It's been it's been a minute. I think you, uh, last time we kind of connected was when you came out there to Harriman uh, for a couple of workouts. Yeah. At the little gym at, at the apartment, so yeah, that, was, that was a drive. I know that for that's me, that. like that's crazy because that's an dedication. hour dedication. Dedication hey. from Park City. Hey, you got me, you got me right though. But I wish I could have come out more. All right, let's get right into it. Thomas, just introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, okay, well, I'm Thomas Bullock. Um, pretty much reside. You know, in Salt Lake City, Utah, um, went to West High School, downtown Salt Lake, uh, moved to Utah when I was uh, just a youngin from New Jersey uh, with my family, immediate family. But, um, yeah, just kind of, you know, my journey kind of started in Salt Lake City and I was there for, let's see, probably about 10, 15 years uh, once I got there and, you know, just until I left for school. But yeah, that's kind of the just just of everything. But I went to Salt Lake, or went to West High School, um, left for school uh, in New Mexico to start, um, and then kind of we can kind of get into that. But yeah, it's, you know my journey's pretty. I'm pretty simple, man. Yeah, this is gonna be a fun one. This is one I've been looking forward to. But let's get right into it, Thomas. Just how were you introduced to basketball? Um, so I actually. I was going to school um, in, in the – I was in the avenues in Utah. Um, I don't know if you know, yeah, really knows. Yeah. It was kind of just up in the – you know, I was kind of just – I was super just eyes wide open, you know, just got to Utah, uh, didn't really know anybody, and I was at an elementary school like up in the avenues. And uh, my boy Tim Hartnett actually um, – I used to play ball at recess. So I was actually a BMX racer. I used to race bikes growing up. and. Um, you know, basketball was new to me, but like, I was always just like naturally fast. And like, I had a little bit of handle, never even touched a basketball, you know? So, um, I just started going to recess and I would play ball like in like sixth grade. And, you know, I was just kind of out there and dude approached Mm -hmm. me, my boy, me and him became like really good friends. And then he hit me up one day and was like, have you heard of super league? And I was like, nah, but anything competitive, like I'm trying to do. So, you know, and, uh, he introduced me to his dad like later that week and come to find out we lived like a block away from each other. And so that's kind of what started it. And they kind of sponsored me and they were just like, you know, just come on these trips with us. They, I got on an AAU team and that was kind of the rest was history. Like I just started playing and I fell in love with basketball. So for sure. But BMX was the first, mm. like I said, I was a bike racer. Didn't know anything about basketball. How long were so, you doing BMX? I actually did BMX from three years old all the way till about 20, so like 19 or 20. And so That's I crazy. was mixing basketball in there um, until it got super, got more serious when I got to high school. I was like, okay, all these people are like taking it serious. This is kind of something, you know, if you want to be good at it, you got to put the time in. And so I had to kind of make it slow down the BMX stuff and, you know, make it a little decision. So. Mm-hmm. For sure. So you went to West High School, uh, downtown Salt Lake. I can't remember how 
Were you guys good? Because I think you had, what, two Man, region we were, championships in high school? Yeah, yeah. we were nice. Um, yeah, so we – I think it all kind of just fell into place. Like, right when – like I said, that – so that AAU team that I ended up getting on, all of us, um, you know, my boy Max, uh, my boy Sam, Gebhardt, my boy Nate Levine, Cheney Doan, we were all, like, just, you know, all a part of that team and in and out from sixth grade all the way up until our freshman year. And we just kind of all just decided to go to West, you know, and that combined with a few other people. And then my boy Tyrell, uh, Tyrell Corbin. So obviously his, his pops was uh, with the jazz at the time. Yeah. So he transferred in, moved to Utah. And that was like, it was just crazy because everything just like pieced together all at once. And we were like, Hey, like we might actually be pretty good. And so, um, he chose to go to West and we just put it all together. Uh, that sophomore year is when we actually won state. Uh, we were sophomores. Um, West High won state that year in the 5A or in 4A at the time. Um, and then our, my junior and senior year, we, we were all just pretty good. So we, I can't remember like actual records, but you know, we, we didn't lose very many games, um, junior and senior year, won two region championships, lost, uh, quarterfinals one year and then semifinals the last mm. the one year so for sure when you um so when you started taking basketball more seriously in high school when did you really realize you could play at the next level what's crazy and it sounds like unconfident of me and all that but like uh i feel like it was more of like just a product of like who you're around you know when it when we got good and we started doing those things like i said i was still racing bmx like i i would just I was just the type like you know if if I see like improvement or if I'm you know falling in love with something like I just like that's all I wanted to be doing and so um I kind of just started staying after school and then I see like all my friends are we're all planning on being on the team and you know I'm like my biggest thing at the time was just like I will not not make this team you know I don't want to be the guy that doesn't make it so I kind of just you know just worked out and stuff but I wasn't really that wasn't really the vision at the time, which was crazy. Like I didn't go to college until I was 20, like 2021. 20, so um, I didn't really, you know, I didn't have any offers or anything like that, but it also wasn't my vision, which was probably the reason, you know? So I just kind of got good at it and just kind of developed working out as a habit, but I didn't really think about going to college and actually wanting to play until I was about 20. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, then like, how were you able to get noticed? I mean, that's extremely late to, you know, decide to, you know, start going to play college ball. So how did you get noticed that late? Um, I think I just put myself out there. You know, I was, I just became like a super gym rat. Like I was always at the wrecks. I was me and my bunch of friends and like family had like this thing. We would go to South Jordan rec center and every Saturday it was like, it became a thing where we would just, look forward to like everybody we'd play from like five thirty six p.m till like nine and that was like a weekly thing and then it kind of started just turning into that and i was like you know what like everywhere i go uh people were just like well why don't you play why don't you play you know so people just kind of started putting in word for me and really just kind of putting myself out there like i would go to the salt lake community college games and you know try to talk to the coaches, the opposing teams, all that stuff. And like, I'd go try out at every single tryout at Slick. Um, I went to Westminster a couple of times, you know, and just, just try to 
really keep my face. Like I wanted people to know who see my face. You know, like everywhere I went, like people are like, Oh, I've seen this kid. Yeah, oh I've seen this kid. He's always here. He's always in the open gyms. He's always so I like that was kind of my first initial approach, like just get noticed, you know, and you know, let my play kind of speak for itself. Like I just wanted to be known like is that kid that just plays hard and he's skilled and you mm. know, maybe hopefully something will come out of it. And so mm. for that's sure. kinda how it started. Yeah. So how'd you end up getting in contact with Northern New Mexico? Just you were talking to people and people were putting in words and somehow something just broke Dude, and it so, ended up working out. Uh, yeah. So it was crazy. So I went to a slick tryout um, and it had been my second time trying to play a slick and, you know, it didn't work out. Um, you know, they had some recruits coming in and I thought I did pretty well, but like nothing really came of it. And so I kind of just got, and I actually met, so I met my roommate, uh, my my roommate in New Me- from New Mexico. I actually met him at the slick tryout. So it was crazy. So we we both kind of felt like we were on that same, you know, kind of got the short end of the stick and just wasn't in the cards. And so um, he actually hit me up at, like a week later from that tryout. We had just met. We met at the tryout. You know, like he was like, I got this, uh, this little tryout in, in New Mexico. He's like, I don't know how much you want to play, but, you know, if we drive up there, you know, we might be able to find a situation. And it's crazy that that following week, bro, we hopped in the car. We known each other for like two weeks and we drove to New Mexico, bro, like 11 hours, <laughs> slept in the parking lot and, and woke up for a tryout. Damn. Yeah, it was crazy, bro. Like, That's wild. Man, Ran the tryout, like hooped for like three hours at the tryout after driving like 11, slept for like two, three hours in the parking lot, got out of the car and went to the gym. Who ain't got got buckets? I mean, it worked out. Yeah. For sure. That was was quite an experience. That was pretty cool, man. No doubt. So, you know, your freshman year, you go to Northern New Mexico College. And then, so I read an NAIA article about you, which talked about your BMX racing uh your career at you know new mexico and then colorado northwestern and then holy family so it said after your freshman year you took a year off what yeah. was the decision maker to make it take a year off didn't have any offers you know what i mean like it was i was back to square one man like mm-hmm. so i actually got so i actually was in new mexico for two years uh-huh. so when i got to new mexico I came in kind of rolling. You know, I had a really good tryout. They told me they wanted me the whole summer. They wanted me to play JV. They was like, that was the first thing I've ever heard about a JV team in college. Yeah. And they told me they wanted me to play JV. And I, and at the time, like, you know, when you're in that position where you just, you're like, I just want an opportunity. So like I take the, I take the JV spot, but you know, in my own head, I'm like, no, I'm going to get there. And I'm, I'm cooking dudes. Like I'm trying to, I want to play varsity, you know, but I'm not going to turn down the, the JV spot when I don't have anything. So um, kind of a humbling moment, obviously, but got there and uh, had a really good three weeks of like the first like trial. They bring a bunch of people on campus. Um, and so, you know, what happened was so I transferred. I was taking classes at, at Salt Lake Community College, but I was part time. And like the way the NAIA works with the credit hour rule and all that, um, basically long story short like i i go through all the process and the whole process and then 
right before season, he tells me that he's going to put me on varsity because uh, I've been playing really well. And then, so I play in like the exhibition games that year and then, mm-hmm. uh, and then I get deemed ineligible. And so oh, I had really? to, yeah. So I was forced to use my red shirt year. So I used my red shirt year that first year. And then I came back and played my freshman year. So I was a red shirt freshman in New Mexico, uh-huh. but ended up playing varsity though. Yeah. And then coming yeah. out of that, you, I mean, like you said, you had no offers, which no was offers. took a year off and then ended up going to Colorado Northwestern as yep. now a sophomore, as far as eligibility goes. How were you able to get in contact with them? Was it the same thing, just word of mouth and tryouts? Or? So I put myself, I was that whole summer, uh, that whole year, really, I was, again, trying to go to Slick uh, just because it was the most ideal. Uh, I was right in my backyard, uh, you know, financially, just having a place to stay. I could be at home. Mm-hmm. I could stay home and kind of just, you know, and obviously Slick was kind of on the rise. They yeah. ended up winning a national tournament and national championship. So, um, I was, you know, I was kind of in with the team where, you know, they'd have me in their, their, uh, open gym, like their text thread. And they would just let me know when they're doing open gyms and all that and turn me down again. Um, uh, and then Colorado, Colorado Northwestern was obviously in their, um, in their conference. And so I did the same process. Like, so I'm sending out a ton of emails and I was actually supposed to go to Kansas Wesleyan really uh, coming coming from new mexico but i couldn't make that work it was a private school you know i got a scholarship for like 20 grand and it was like still uh, too much to go to school yeah it was like probably like 38 mm. I think it was like thirty-eight thousand or something to go to school there and so i was like that's way too much out of pocket had a couple other small looks but no not enough money and so then i just you know i had to go back home and then that was the process it took so i was like maybe i'll go juco and then I just contacted every school in Slick's conference. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got connected with Coach Hayes. He, when they came and played in the away game at Slick, I went to the game, you know, introduced myself to Coach. He told me to come down for a workout. And then I went down to the workout, killed it, ended up getting a scholarship to go to Colorado Northwestern. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Then after that, graduate had a pretty successful year at Colorado Northwestern and transferred to Holy family, which is out in Wisconsin, which at the time yep. was uh silver Lake college. Yeah. Right? So yeah. And my first year was silver Lake and then it changed to Holy family uh-huh. uh, for money, money reasons, I think. And like the sisters and stuff. So, yeah. cause the school was funded by the Franciscan sisters and it was just kind of like a, mm-hmm. it was a, a thing for the school, but yeah, same school. Yeah. But anyways, to say the least, you had a pretty successful career there. You know, became fourth, four-time USCAA Player of the Week, finished ninth in NAI Division two steals per game. Was that really like when you got to Holy Family? Was that really the turning point in your college career? Oh, hundred percent. So, to kind of rewind a little bit, even coming from Colorado Northwestern, you know, it was a. Uh, it was a struggle, you know, trying to find a home. Like my coach was trying to help me. They were helping me a little bit. And um, my numbers were good, but they weren't great, you know, to be five, you know, five, eight, five, nine. And so it was tough, man. I went that whole summer, you know, just that was when I really upped like my working out and trying to just stay in the gym, stay in shape. Um, and then I got a call from Coach Brant. So Brant Daniels, uh, he's at Omaha now. 
he's at the Dobo over at Omaha University. Um, he, I mean, he's a dude that just changed my life, bro. Like he called me random. I was in the weight room, you know, I'm sitting there thinking about like where I'm going to go this next year and calls me and I mean, gave me a scholarship over the phone, you know, uh, I guess somebody reached out about me and, um, coach from, uh, Salt Lake Rebels reached out about me and just was kind of putting my name out there and it worked out. He called me. And so I told him, you know, right then and there, I was like, yeah, I'm coming and gave me a scholarship. So then I went out there. So, and then, like I said, yeah, to answer your question, yes, it was a turning point for my career just because, you know, I get there and, um, it just felt like home. Like they, mm-hmm. you, you want to be there. Like they want you there. You know, he kind of gave me the keys to the program and just, just let me be who I was, you know, and kind of blossomed a little bit. So. Took off from there for sure. No doubt about it. So now that, you know, you're out of college. What are you most proud of when it came to your college career? Um, I would say just the, the consistency of like the perseverance of, um, I'm not one to like sit here and, you know, talk about everything I did, but like when you, you know, asking that question, I think I look back a lot and I'm always like, you know, I could have gave up, um, you know, not having offers twice coming from New Mexico and then coming from um, Colorado Northwestern, you know, not having a, a real sense of like, Hey, this school wants me. Um, I think that was, that was more satisfying for me than like, you know, the actual, you know, having the good season and doing those things like be, me being able to push myself to, you know, have a four year career for and, sure, you know, like not be denied. Mm-hmm. But no. yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously to say the least one hell of a journey i mean and then yeah and then and the best part i love about it now is like i literally i, I have friends from all three stops you know uh-huh. like all three stops i still talk to someone um from those teams and my teammates and i think the biggest thing for me was like the impact i feel like i had on the programs i was at and the teammates i had and my coaches mm-hmm. like i'm still in contact with my coaches um, and then like, I have teammates that, you know, we're still cool to this day, you know, they'll, we talk about things and I'm like, man, like that's bigger to me, just the mm-hmm. impact and like my everyday, like waking up and just being that person, um, day in and day out, regardless of like how my situation was, was like what I took most from my college career. So that's for sure. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you did it all to say the least. And, you know, and I wouldn't change it, man. It's yeah, small town college feel for real. No, that's, I mean, even someone who like, I thought I knew you like relatively, I mean, I didn't know any of that. That's wild. Yeah, man. But, <laughs> you got some, you got some hidden gems. Shit. Um, keep We're it moving. Today, man. Yeah. Know. Have a blast. Pass now. Keep it moving. So, you know, after college, you, you stayed around basketball. You were a trainer. We worked out together. Uh, it said you were in player development with Slick's women's team. So yeah. what what was keeping you around basketball after your college career? So the love, man. I can't, you know, I can't put it down. <laughs> like, you know, you life starts to hit and you start to, you know, just other things start to kind of hit you, you know, when once you're done with college. And if pro is not the route, you know, how can I still be effective uh, in the sport of basketball? How can I? 
you know, because obviously us as athletes and, and basketball players, like basketball doesn't just, you know, doesn't help you as a player. Like it, mm-hmm. you know, it changes you, grows you into a man, you know, you teach a lot of different life skills throughout the sport. And so For sure. I think I just kind of got a grasp on that. And I was like, you know, how can I, if I'm not going to play pro, I can under- accept that, but I still want to be able to mm-hmm. give back in a way and like take everything that I've done and, you know, instill that in, in some, you know, the next generation or the next people coming up or anybody that, you know, you know, asks mm-hmm. or wants me to. So I just kind of developed a, um, a love for working out and mm-hmm. just working on skills and ways to be better. And, and that all came from, you know, my three stops, like, that's kind of, that's not to speak bad on like the schools I went to, you know, they were all opportunities for me, but, uh, you don't necessarily get, you know, the, that D one life treatment or, you know, having a skill development coach, having a, you know, strength trainer, like you don't always have those, those luxuries. And so, um, that was something that I just developed on my own. Like, you know, if I'm going to get better at these places I'm at, like I have to be willing to put it in and learn myself and, when, I, when my coach doesn't have time to work me out, like, you know, I can't sit around and wait. I got to, you know, I got to build that. And so mm-hmm. that kind of developed my love for working out. And I'm like, you know, I can use this. So in the summers, I started, started like working guys out. I was working with the youth program with E3 uh, in Utah. And that's kind of where it started. And then, you know, mm-hmm. parents started asking about training. And I was like, you know, I never did it, but I'm not opposed to it. You know, and mm-hmm. so that's what kind of sparked that up. For sure. And I, I mean, just love it. Yeah. I mean, from my experience, I mean, working out with you is probably some like just the way you you take your workouts, even like when no matter who it is, the level of just like professionality and how like the attention to detail is crazy. I mean, I I, every day, every once in a while, I reminisce like about our first workout because we were just it was we probably spent, I don't know, it was like 20 minutes just on pocket dribbles. Like the yeah, pocket triple ball manipulation. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. <laughs> no, but, I do that with a lot of people, man. Depending mm-hmm. on where you're at, you know, there's an assessment, but and yeah. also doesn't matter where you're at. You know, if we skip this, if we skip the stuff at the beginning, whether you're, mm-hmm. you know, 18 years old or you're seven years old, like at some point, you know, that's going to come out, and it's like, mm-hmm. well we got to be able to be good at that, that basic stuff, that foundation. And mm-hmm. so that's not even to say that you weren't good at it. It's probably yeah. just me trying to, trying to no, be it's, precise, like in, instill it in me now, hundred percent. Uh, you know, moving on, you know, throughout the past couple of years, you, you were training, you know, working in player development and stuff like that. But you, the powder league got launched in 2020 yeah. and you were, I mean, you've been a part of it. How is the powder league, you know, put, utah basketball as a whole into the spotlight oh uh, it's big time um i mean i think basketball utah basketball was already um evolving but to to kind of what they're doing you know they're right on the cusp of you know doing something big like obviously like a, a drew league type of feel where it's known and you know the first thing they're going to think of like when you hear powder league is salt lake city you know and so that's it's huge for the sport it's huge for just utah in general in the city so like um i was 
you know, not excited to be a part of it. And then obviously we won the first season. My team won the first season. So that was pretty dope. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the level of player, uh, the player level, the caliber of players. And then like, obviously it's just gotten better every year with, you know, who they have coming in and um, actually in the process of making a roster right now for. Uh, oh, you're like, coming back this summer? For season Let's go. four, man. I'll, I'll, so, be, I'll be out there. Yeah, it's going to be I'll be cool. out there. But so that, that'll yeah. be fun. How, how's the team looking this year? Uh, right now we're a little, uh, we're a little iffy just because some guys are moving around. Um, and then obviously a couple guys that I have in mind are, are still um, playing in their pro careers. Some guys are, you know, overseas and stuff. So mm-hmm. it just depends on when they're able to get back and if I might need to um, adjust the roster to people that can be here. So for sure. Hey man, I'll, I'll be we're, watching. We're, we're gonna be good. I I don't have no. I'm not planning on being terrible, so that's not the case. We're gonna be a contending roster. You put the team on your back if you have to. <laughs> if that's what it's gonna take, bro, I'll do it. My I don't move. I don't move quite the same anymore. I'm still fast, but uh, you still got the so. you got the shiftiness. I got a little bit of juice. You got a little bit of juice still going. All right, so moving on. You know, this past fall. You came out to uh, Texas A&M, Texacara, and became an assistant. How did you get in contact with the coaches there to, you know, become um, an assistant? Yeah, so Brent Daniels, my uh, my head coach in Wisconsin, um, like I said, continues to change my life, man. He, you know, he's always stayed in contact with me from when I was there. And, you know, we just have always had a respect for each other and, when I got there, you know, me working and him just kind of believing in me, giving me that last shot. And so he just kept hitting me back up. You know, I kind of got super deep into uh, my, my youth training and my running my youth program um, in Salt Lake and trying to, trying to get that off the ground. And so I was kind of at a point where I didn't really want to leave, leave my boys and, you know, what I had started. And, you know, he reached out and he's like, you know, if you're going to take this, uh, take the route of like trying to eventually coach in college you know you might want to do it now or you might want to look into a GA spot and I've got some opportunities and so he connected me with a guy named Carter Heston who's uh, North Alabama so Brant and him worked at North Alabama together and so Carter's actually like I guess like the I think the youngest D1 assistant in the country oh really yeah now but so he was uh, two years ago, he was the assistant for Coach Wall here in, at TAMUT. So they connected and all kind of worked out. So Brant connected me with Carter. Carter worked under Coach Wall. You know, he connected him with Coach Wall with Brant, and then they got me. You know, helped me get the job. And so, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of kind of how the business works. Obviously, you know, it's just I think it's you know your relationships more than anything, mm-hmm. which is what I love about it all. Is you know, it's all relationship based. Yeah, for sure. How was that? I mean, what was what it like working in an NIA program? Um, I think um, it resonates with me just because obviously I played NAIA. I went NAIA twice after going JUCO in the middle. So um, I think I can understand it more. Um, I understand, like I said, I went to school when I was 21, 20. And so uh, I think that's just exactly what NAIA, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of serves as a, an opportunity for, you know, guys that don't necessarily, you know, whether you're overlooked or you feel like you're overlooked, if you're, 
you know, your situation, you know, you have life situations come about and it messes up your NCAA clock. If you have um, just anything, you know, um, NAIA kind of serves as that, you know, that source where you can still, you know, live out that dream and make it what it is. If, you know, if you're locked in and you find the best, most ideal situation for you. So working within NAIA, I can appreciate that, you know, because uh, there's a lot of crazy and cool stories of like, you know, a lot of talent and just guys that you know deserve an opportunity regardless of what they had or their situation at hand. So mm. it's pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt about it. So now as an assistant and a former college player, what do you think are the three key things any high school player needs to play at the next level? Um, I think discipline is the first thing. Um, and discipline in the way of, and that kind of jumps into the second thing of just like be having a uh, work ethic, like having discipline and like, you know, making, getting it done yourself as opposed to, you know, going to a place where you're expecting coaches to, to hold you accountable as they have, you know, through AAU and high school, like you got to develop your own, um, just will to, you know, get up every day and just be an everyday person. So, um, I would say discipline and then, you know, just having a work ethic. And then I think you just got to have a why. Like people, like, you know, I'll have, and it's not to speak bad on anybody, but, you know, I'll have people hit me up and they're like, well, I'm, I want to play in college. And it's like, it's somebody that hasn't, you know, had hit me up to work out like a year ago and then hasn't touched a basketball since. And it's like, you know, it doesn't really work like that. Like you got to, it's a, it's a constant grind, you know, of, uh, being an everyday person, you know, having a, a routine and just holding yourself accountable. And so I think those are kind of the three things that kind of rounded out for me is, especially when you're at the, that, those lower levels, like it's almost like a last chance. Like you, you know, you gotta, you gotta really want it to, to be able to play at that mm-hmm. next level. Like if you get there, everybody's skilled, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be at the college level if, you know, if we couldn't hoop, if everybody couldn't hoop. But then it just becomes like who's more disciplined, who's comes in every day and, you know, is getting taking care of their business, you know, who's in the classroom taking care of their business, you know. So um, those are kind of big things, I think, that are mm-hmm. huge. For and sure. I kind of if I if I were to spin that on like my own experience, it was like I wasn't always that, you know, I, I got to New Mexico and I was like um, I was head over heels, you know, and. Uh, I was kind of after I got humbled a little bit and was ineligible. It was like there was no telling what was going to happen that next year. Like I'm going to have to do the same thing over again um, to try to make sure I have that spot next year. And then it was like, well, how do I do that? You know. And then I just, you know, had access to the gym, had access to the weight room, um, and I was just like, you know, keep myself in shape and just mm-hmm. become an everyday guy. So mm-hmm. I think those are huge for sure. So now. I mean, now as a coach, what do you think it is? What are you looking for as far as recruiting goes? Because I know you briefly kind of brought it up before we started recording. What Uh, does your recruiting regimen look like? uh, Just that, Mm -hmm. you know, guys that that work hard every day. Um, Just everyday guys, you know, discipline and just um, good character, like high character people high character guys that um you don't you know you don't you you can't want it more than them 
you know, regardless of the background they come from. Um, I mean, that's our job as coaches is to, you know, coach them. But I think you have to have those foundations and those, you know, what you believe in and, you know, what you've been taught, like, you know, getting up, being on time, all those little intangibles. Uh, are, it's crazy what those do for a basketball program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, you know, you have your rare like gems, you know, guys that are just crazy talented, but you're not going to have a full roster of those. So you got to mm-hmm. have guys that are willing to come in and put the work in every day. You know, guys, you don't have to constantly drag in the gym. Uh, guys that want to be coached, guys that, you know, want to be better and understand how to be coachable and what they need to do to get better. Mm-hmm. And then guys that just take care of their business off the court and understand that like schools first, um, you know, becoming a man is another part of it rather than just the basketball side of stuff. So just high character, everyday guys. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. So as someone, you know, like yourself, who was college career, you could say the least was all over the place. How important is it to have a plan after you're done playing college basketball or someone who's playing at a JUCO level, how important is it to try and have a plan for what's next? Uh, Very, I think it's very important. Uh, You know, it's kind of cliche, but like, you know, the guys that say like, I want to go to the NBA. It's like, that is, it's not like insurmountable, but at the same time, you know, it comes a time where you got to be real with yourself and um, it gets real obviously in that real world. So like, you know, you got to have a, you got to get your books right or you won't even make it through college. And um, I think just having a plan ultimately just helps you, you know, it, that's also something that can drive you, you know, so you're, you're knocking out two birds with one stone, so to speak, like you, you know, you get finish your career, but you also have a plan to get your degree and, you know, um, maybe go get a master's in a certain whatever major that interests you, you know, but having that plan of, you know, what you're going to do when that ball stops bouncing is, is huge. And, you know, I even had, it took me years to, to uh, kind of cite that myself, like, like, you know, that ball is going to stop bouncing or, you know, mm-hmm. my knees messed me, uh, hit me uh, between junior and senior year. And that was super eye opening and humbling. So it's like, that's huge to have a, you know, a backup plan of what you're going to do when mm-hmm. you're done. For sure. But I'm never, but I'm also not one to tell, like, I'm not going to tell somebody you can't play pro. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's anybody's capable, you know, you just got to have that vision and work towards it and something's got to drive you every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, this past year at, you know, TM, TAMUT, you worked with, you know, East Los Angeles College alum, Damani Litlock, who was on Last Chance U. What was it like working with someone like that? Because for me, I don't know if you've watched it, he really gets portrayed as someone who is literally a dog. What is it like being around that guy, and how does that drive your program forward? I mean, it was huge. I mean, for me, uh, it was it was an honor, but I thought it was pretty dope. Like, first year – on a college uh, campus, you know, on a college coaching staff and, you know, to have, uh, like I get to campus and they're like, yeah, you know, you got, uh, we got Damani from Last Chance U and then we got, you know, Idrissa So, uh, who was also there with him. And so I'm like, that's pretty cool. Um, But as far as like driving the program, um, those are all things you need. Um, 
some of that stuff, you know, that you saw on the show or anybody that, you know, got the chance to check out this season of Last Chance U, like that's some stuff that you, you know, you definitely need. And when you're on campus, you, you realize more and more why, you, you know, how much you need that stuff. So um, he was huge in that way, you know, taking charges and doing those things. He actually, he had a pretty up and down season, um, had a little fluke of an accident and uh, actually broke his finger. Um, oh, really? Super early. Yeah, like super early in the season, so that kind of set him back, um, you know. So he he obviously didn't get the rhythm I think he would have had, um, you know, pushing through the season and being able to peak and be and peak at the right time to like you know actually run the point for this team. Obviously, with him and our our All American point guard uh, KP, um, we would have been really solid. I think if he had a chance to really gain his rhythm and his traction, but that kind of set him back and then and then he was dealing with a little foot injury um toward the end of the season so super bumpy year for him but i mean he stuck it out he's obviously as you guys saw he's a tough kid um and he you know just kind of brings that competitiveness every day from practice and stuff so he i think he's going to have a huge year here next year mm -hmm. for sure so i mean over the course of this episode we've talked a lot about NAIA athletes and NAIA basketball and people it seems like don't talk about it enough and in your opinion what do you think is the biggest misconception about NAIA athletes uh misconception I would say um that like there's like it's super low level basketball or you know not as athletic I think those are all just things that you know, as somebody that's not really educated on, you know, what NAIA basketball is, um, those are kind of just the typical, you know, like, oh, it's probably worse than D3 or, you know, and I'm a firm believer. I'm a big believer in um, just being where your feet are. I mean, obviously, you kind of look at my, my college career and I'm like, I learned that on the way, like, throughout the course of my career. But like, you know, if you, you know, put in that work where you are, um, you're going to see just as talented of players and athletes at the NAIA level than as you are at, you know, NCAA division two, sometimes NCAA, NCAA division one, you know, it just kind of depends on people's stories and where they land. But man, our conference alone, I would say is the top, you know, one or two conference NAIA conferences in the country. And we play some, some grown men, like, uh, you kind of look at back at my story, like I didn't go till I was 21 and that's kind of a common thing because, you know, your clock is a little different with the, um, with the credit hour situation. And so typically you'll have a little bit of older players, um, at the NAIA level, kind of like it's happening now with the transfer portal, but, um, that's kind of always been a thing for the NAIA. And so I think people just kind of, kind of overlook the NAIA. And don't get me wrong, yeah, there's some crazy athletes in the in like NCAA Division One, mm -hmm. obviously, but um, you you can run into some real gems in, at the NAIA level. So um, I think it's really just you know people not really being educated on what the NAIA is and not actually you know witnessing it for themselves. Yeah, I mean, but if you were to go to like the NC the NAIA national tournament, like. I know a lot of people would be like, man, like I didn't realize, you know, this, there were these type of athletes in the NAIA. Mm. So super I mean, fun. Like you said, everyone has a different story of how they got there. And, you know, 
NAI is just another one of those niches. Um, so with that being said, what's kind of next for you? Are you going to continue at TAMUT or are you going to look forward to boost your coaching career elsewhere in the future? Um, definitely want to boost my coaching career. Uh, right now it's kind of, like I said, that's kind of how the business works. You kind of not, I think it's kind of just, you don't really know, you know, I don't right now I'm uh, unsure. I will be back in Utah for the summer. Um, obviously still recruiting and doing some recruiting for coach wall. Um, but, uh, to be determined, mm -hmm. but obviously the goal is to go up and try to keep boosting mm -hmm. the career and just, you know, impact and touch as many lives as I can through basketball. So mm -hmm. that's kind for of sure. the goal. Thomas Bullock being here for the culture, ladies and gentlemen. With that being said, this concludes our episode. Thomas, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to do this. Much appreciated. You spoke well. You gave some great insight. With that being said, Thomas, sign us off. I'm Thomas Bullock, and this is The Locker Room, where sports unite us and the stories inspire us. Peace.